This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is a Business Radio special presentation focusing on Black Friday. The preparations, the strategies, and the projections for its impact on the 2018 shopping season. Here are your hosts, Barbara Kahn and Dave Riebstein. Welcome. Welcome back to Business Radio's Black Friday special. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. And here with me in the studio is another host, Professor Dave Riebstein. Yo. How you doing? <laughs> Dave Riebstein is also a host of, of our radio shows here, as is I, um, on Sirius XM 132. This is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. And we are talking to retailers and people involved in retail about their Black Friday special. And our next guest is Jill Renslow, the Vice President of Business (laughs) Development. That's that's Renslow without a question mark at the end of it. It's Renslow. Renslow. (laughs) Jill. (laughs) She's the Vice President of Business Development and Marketing at the Mall of America. Hello, Jill. Hello, Barbara and Dave. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> so we were just talking about uh, the Mall of America, and I have been there, but Dave said he has not been there. So can you tell us why it is like the most interesting mall in the United States? Well, thank you for visiting us, Barbara and Dave. We'll definitely have to get you to the <laughs> yeah, mall. Yeah, we'll have definitely. to get him there. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we are the largest in North America at 5.6 million square feet. So it's definitely an experience that shoppers and you know, people that just love entertainment definitely will enjoy. And we're located in Minnesota. And what's great is we don't have any sales tax on clothing and oh. shoes in Minnesota. So extra little bonus as you're doing your holiday shopping. Wait, but. wait, wait. You just said people who love entertainment. It's it's not an entertainment center, is it? It's a retail mall. So even though mall is in our name, we are definitely an entertainment destination. We have over a dozen attractions. And actually right in the center of Mall of America is a seven-acre theme park called Nickelodeon Universe. So people are riding roller coasters while others are shopping and dining and having a great time. Okay, Barbara, while you're doing the shopping, (laughs) I'm riding the roller coasters. You still have that Lego park there? We do. We have the Lego Imagination Center as well as Sea Life, which is a Merlin entertainment attraction, as well as many others. And there's a lot of... um, attractions coming online with technology embedded like augmented reality and virtual reality. Oh, so that's cool. A lot of fun, exciting things for everybody of the family. So um, is Black Friday a, a big deal for Mall of America if it's an entertainment center? Or, I mean, is it different for you than it is for other retailers? Black Friday definitely is the official kickoff the holiday season. Even though we've been decorating for the month of November, <laughs> Black Friday kicks off. And actually, just a couple of years ago, we decided to close on Thanksgiving. So this will be our third year in a row that our entire property is closed on Thanksgiving to give 13,000 people that day off with their family so we can put all the energy and focus on Black Friday. That's courageous. I mean, how do you have the courage uh, to really close and not take advantage of those sales So you don't open Black Friday on Thursday at 5 like some of the other retailers we spoke to? We don't. You know, we got caught up in that creep that was taking place year after year, and it kept getting earlier and earlier, and we just got to the point where we're like, you know what? This is a holiday that's important for families and friends to spend together, and let's refocus all of our energy on Black Friday, which has definitely rewarded us. We have over 200,000 people that celebrate Black Friday with us. And is it tourist, or is it mostly local, or who comes out for Black Friday? We have a great mix of shoppers. People are really coming out for the thrill of the hunt and the excitement for Black Friday. Um, We open our doors at 5 a.m., 
Last year, we had 2,500 people lined up to get into our doors. We do special giveaways and scratch-off promotions and get people hyped up early in the morning. But um, it's something that um, is important for us as a company. It was a hard decision to make, but when you do the right thing... Um, Wait, let me just get this straight. This is how many people lined up at 5 a.m. in Minnesota? <laughs> in Minnesota. You're talking about Minnesota, that's right? What, that's what I was thinking about. It's got to be freezing up there. <laughs> They are dedicated shoppers and ready to get their holiday season kicked off. And we have great entertainment throughout the holidays and really bringing back the traditions and the experience of what the holidays are all about. You know, there's a lot of competition with online shopping. We're all super busy that t- this time of year. People go to convenience of going online. But what's important to us is to bring that magic back. And people love to come out and, you know, enjoy holiday movies and dinners together and to visit Santa, but also to be able to get those great deals that have actually started early this year. They keep getting earlier and early, which I love as a consumer. But, um, you know, it's important to package all those together to be able to deliver that experience during the summer. Do you season. know how many Santas there are at the Mall of America? <laughs> <laughs> that is a secret. And can, um, but what's important is we have um, a Santa that's open to the public, but you can also make special appointments with Santa so that if you have a schedule that you want to fit in and you can get it on your calendar, we can actually... Um, oh, he makes appointments, Santa. Santa. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, so you don't have that creep that goes into Thursday, but you leapfrog it and you go, you do Wednesday and Tuesday and Monday because I hear you saying those sales are starting even before Black Friday. Oh, absolutely. Retailers are getting out early and they have those deals set, but there's always special deals that are held for Black Friday to drive that extra traffic. Um, it's an opportunity for people to just enjoy brick and mortar and to come out and have, um, you know, enjoy discounts for the holidays. So I'm really curious. I'm, 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 you, it's such a big deal for all the retailers that are within the mall. What do you do to try and coordinate across That's the what retailers? I was ask too, yeah. It's not an easy task to coordinate <laughs> with 520 tenants. But, you know, what's important is communication, and it's early. We start talking about our holiday plans because truly the holidays are like a Super Bowl for the retail. So we have to start working on it early. We get the retailers engaged as much as possible. We meet with them in person. We meet with them through communication, through email, and through letters. And um, so it's important to get them on base with everything that we're going to be working on so that we can share stories together and making sure that we're lock and step on those efforts to drive traffic. So how much of traditional mall is, I I have been to the Mall of America, but not for a long time. Um, So like in the typical mall, you've got the anchor stores, the department stores on one end, and then specialty retail in the middle. And I know we have a pretty large mall here, the King of Prussia Mall, and that has like different neighborhoods, price neighborhoods almost. There's the luxury section and this other section. And um, Is that still going on in Mall of America, or have you rethought that whole old kind of blueprint for a mall? Definitely the retail, the leasing strategy has evolved over time and traditional anchors, we still have a couple at our property of Nordstrom and Macy's and Sears. Um, but as we evolve and specialty retail continues to develop, it's important for us to have um, a lot of agility in our leasing efforts. And actually, you're seeing a lot of clicks to bricks, a lot of the online brands coming to brick and mortar. And the benefit that we have at Mall of America is having 40 million visitors a year. We have great visibility for these brands. They test drive, brick and mortar, do pop-up concepts. Um, or, you know, temporary type of structures. And then they most often will go to a permanent lease because of the visibility that they have at MOA. So, yeah, I'm really curious. You you mentioned the clicks to bricks, and I'm trying to think about how much has all the online shopping really affected Mall of America? Yeah, you know, we've definitely felt the transition over the years. But I think there's a certain level set that has taken place where people are shopping 
for specific goods and services online, but there's something important about brick and mortar. We still love to touch and feel those products. We actually have a really unique concept this holiday season called the GH Lab, and it's actually with Good Housekeeping and Amazon. So it's a shoppable showroom. We have over 45 different brands that show. I just got to get my mind around that. Good Housekeeping and Amazon, those are the partners? Wow. Yeah, so it's a curated (laughs) collection of products from Good Housekeeping. So they've been tested in the Institute. So it's great. As consumers, we can touch and feel and experiment with the products. But you can only purchase them through the Amazon Smile Code. So you just can um, scan the codes and it goes straight into your Amazon shopping cart. Wow. So you don't have to lug the bags around as you're doing all your holiday shopping. It's a fantastic concept just for the holiday season at the mall. So that's a pop-up. That is a pop-up, yes. The hope is that we learn from this concept and are able to roll out additional iterations of this idea. So what percentage of your overall square foot is pop-up, temporary retail? Um, it varies throughout the year, and I start, we have a whole specialty leasing division. So of that, maybe about you know fifteen to twenty percent of our retail. Wow, that's quite but a bit. It continually evolves. It depends on how you're measuring it on um, number of stores versus square footage. But overall, the mall we're about seventy percent retail and about thirty percent entertainment, which includes dining attractions um, and other kind of the the extras as far as that we have here at the mall. So, I mean, I was thinking about that pop-up because that's like a reason to come. It's like if you know these new things, it's almost treasure hunting a little bit. If you don't know what new stores are going to be there, what kind of exciting exhibit is going to be there. Is that part of the strategy to think about it somewhat treasure hunting? Absolutely. The key to our success is changing and keeping fresh so we always have something new to deliver to our guests they you know always finding whether it's we have two attached hotels so you have the hotels attached with the attractions and the dining and the restaurants and the um, retail so you can really package the experience and every time you come at something different because we cater to both the locals that are in the minneapolis st paul market in the state of minnesota but also to tourists and even international guests and so we always want to have something fresh and exciting for them to experience so well you talk about two different hotels it sort of gets me back to this question about coordinating the different businesses that are there when maybe they're competing with each other also. So you've got to have within the mall, there's a lot of stores that are directly competing against each other. And I'm sort of curious how you get them to be coordinated and and sort of sharing information. You definitely see a coordinated effort with like retailers and clusters. You kind of mentioned that earlier as far as that there's, there's a strategy towards that. We actually have Apple and Microsoft are directly across each other on our South Avenue. Um, we have all the athleisure stores clustered together. Huh. We have a lot That's of beauty products together. We have a lot of our dining together. It makes it convenient for our shoppers, our visitors, because we are a big property. But if you, especially from a local perspective, if you know where to park and you can come in and you can shop you know, a variety of different stores within the category that you're looking for, it makes the experience more intimate, um, and it's been very powerful for us and have the exposure to other other brands and other shoppers that might like that category. Do, does that increase the price competition between those stores? Since uh, I'll be right back, I'm going to go across <laughs> the uh, you know the hall and see what the prices yeah. are there. Yeah, no, not necessarily. You're going to definitely see consistency in prices across brands and across different marketplaces. But we don't find that to be a, a concern at all. I would say probably on the on the ha- on behalf of the shopper, they're more competitive as far as um, and reducing and having more sales and things like that. But um, it's pretty pretty aligned with what you're going to see in the marketplace. So, does the market uh, Mall of America have any kind of loyalty programs, or do you? Is there anything that you can log on to to be part of the mall versus part of any individual s- store? 
Yeah, we have a lot of marketing efforts in place where we can market to you if you sign up for our different communication, but we're actually working on a mall-wide loyalty program currently that will roll out in 2019. It's, it's a little bit more of a challenge when you're talking about the property itself versus the individual brands within our, our um, shopping centers. So we're looking at that and um, we've been seeing what's happening across the industry globally from a loyalty perspective. And there's really a unique challenge to deliver the right value to customers through loyalty when it comes to the property. And we need to have a lot of our brands support that effort. So it's not a small task. We're definitely no, uh, yeah, very it's... excited what we're rolling out for next year. So um, just in terms of like rolling out, you, t- you mentioned VR and AR. What's the, what's the excitement there? What are you doing in virtual reality and augmented reality? Yeah, well, there's some exciting things happening with our, some of our attractions. But actually, um, personally, for Mall of America, we have some exciting things rolling out for the holiday season. One, from the um, augmented reality experience, we actually have a lot of our decor elements for the holidays. We have these n- nostalgic toys that are photo ops, and they will actually uh-huh. come to life through an augmented reality tool that will be on through our mobile app and for the holiday season on your mobile phone. So you'll be able to capture really unique photos videos that you can share with your family and friends. Um, we also do a lot with um, artificial intelligence, and we have a command center, communication command center. So no matter how you connect with Mall of America, whether it's on social channels or on SMS or through email, we have a digital concierge that can help you navigate the property and help you with gift ideas or even make a re- restaurant reservation. And with that, we have um, artificial intelligence that helps us navigate through some more of the common questions and that we've also integrate that into a robot named pepper Pepper. we love little pepper and by popular demand we're bringing her back for the holiday season and we'll have a hologram elf that will help you with gift ideas wait wait i don't understand how that works that's great i love it i'm I'm coming to the mall (laughs) where's the hologram where is it it's in space but how does it i don't get how a hologram works Hologram, so it's actually, it'll be a dedicated holiday hub that we have at Mall of America where you can go and interact with an elf that's driven by hologram technology. Wow. And so you can ask her different ideas for, you know, people in your family that you need to get gifts oh, for. And it's directly connected to the content that we load into our holiday gift guide. So it's consistent with what you're going to see online through mobile and on social, but you can also interact with a hologram just to make it extra special fun and unique for this holiday. Barbara, I'm working with the IT group here to hologram me into the classrooms really? that we have in San Is Francisco. Really yeah, true? seriously. Oh, wow. So I, but I think it's great going to the <laughs> wow. mall and seeing that. I, I think it's wonderful. You know, I'm, uh, Joe, I'm really curious. Um, how long have you been at Mall of America? I've been at the mall for 21 years. I okay. started at the organization as an intern and worked my way up to an executive. It's been a, an awesome adventure for my career path. I, I thought you had been there for uh, quite a time, and so I'm really curious. How has Black Friday, you probably have a better perspective than anyone else, how has Black Friday sort of changed for the mall over the 21 years that uh, that you've been there? Yeah, and I've been pretty much at every Black Friday since I've been there. And you know what? <laughs> the energy remains really high. People come out to Black Friday for a reason. They want to be part of the the hustle, the bustle, the excitement, um, and just the energy around the holiday music and the decorations and just the magic. And, and really, at Mall of America, I've just seen it strengthen over the years. And just for people to grasp that opportunity to spend that special time with family and friends and not to get caught up on electronics and doing all their shopping there, but it's just something 
special to be able to carry shopping bags and get the thrill of the hunt, get those special deals and to be able to know you're going to have a special holiday season. But, you know, to that idea of uh, these special things and you were talking about setting up exhibits where you can take pictures and things like that. Some of Black Friday is not just shopping. It's just kind of like being there, right? Being part of the excitement. And uh, so do you have like events or concerts or like in New York, I know in New York City, there's all these places where you can go into the store and it's really not about purchase. It is about taking pictures in these really cool environments and sending it on social media. And do you do that kind of stuff? Then it sounded like you do some of that, at least with the AR. Absolutely. We know that people love to capture those moments and share them with family and friends and show that, you know, they're part of this thing that's happening. So we actually, the very first 200 people that line up, and this is how we drive that early morning traffic, they get a gift card to Mall of America, anywhere from $10 to $500. Plus, Whoa. they get a scratch-off. A scratch and those scratch-offs, they are over $200,000 worth of pricing behind that. It's everything from flat-screen TVs to luxury handbags to apparel. There's a variety of different prizes in that pool. And so it really drives that excitement. And then beyond those promotional elements is we do have live entertainment all day in our rotunda, which is our main event space, everything from local performers to national acts. And so that's all day on Friday. Plus we have holiday light shows in our theme park and Santa's there all day. Um, So there's just everywhere you turn, there's something new and exciting. There's just great entertainment and energy throughout the entire building. Jill, did you once tell me that it's, that you had it snowing inside the mall? (laughs) You know, because we don't have enough snow outside in Minnesota, right. we have to make it snow inside. Um, yes, we have. Um, we've made it snow in the rotunda at our light shows. But one very fun promotion we had a couple of years ago was called the Twizzard. We actually it was a Twitter activated blizzard where guests would use the hashtag Twizzard, and when they hit a certain threshold, we actually had a thermometer set up, and when it hit freezing, it would actually snow inside Mall of America. And so it's oh, wow. a ton of fun because people that weren't there and they were, you know, tapping in from around the country were wondering what this was. And our retailers got on board because they would buy against each other to try to figure out who could make it snow. And it was a ton <laughs> of fun. And that was a great example, too, of how our, how our retailers come together and really make special things happen. So all this happens on Black Friday. What about the rest of the holiday season? I imagine it, it stuff keeps going on. Oh, most definitely. That's just the kickoff. Just gets us rolling. So pretty much every day we have festivities taking place, events, live music. We actually have a holiday music festival that celebrates our local community entertainment. So it's the first time throughout the whole year where school groups and churches and community bands and choirs can perform right in our main rotunda area. It's very special for them and their families. We have a ton of community relations activities and fundraising efforts. And um, we have the Clouds Choir, which is one of my favorites. It's in December where we have um, a group of people that come together to celebrate a young man that passed away from cancer years ago. We have 8,000 people that are anticipated to come this year. And he composed a song before he passed away, and it's to raise funds for kids with cancer. And it's very powerful, and it just really rings in the true meaning of the holidays. Oh, that's cool, because I have noticed when I've talked to a lot of marketers nowadays that the idea of doing good and doing something, giving back, is a very big part of brand. So it sounds like at the mall you have that same 
uh, philosophy. That it's, it's important to customers, so yeah. they've got to be doing that. Yeah, so it, it, it really is plain rule. Philanthropy is part of our DNA. It's so important from our ownership to every person that works with the mall, and we give back about twenty thousand dollars a day. And um, we can't always write a check, but we can offer our um, our property for people to host events for fundraising and visibility. And so we are extremely tight with our community, and it's really important to us as a brand and as a company to give back. So you know, Dave is saying you've been there for a while, and some of the differences you haven't noticed, like lessening mall traffic over the years, as a result of at least in the holiday season, as a result of online marketing, or have you? We have not. At Mall of America, we continue to get stronger and stronger with our traffic and sales. We've had a stellar year this year. And, you know, it's when you put the foot on the gas, when things are getting rough, that's what's key. And it's important for our company to just keep striving ahead. And for 26 years now, we've been open, and it's always been about the experience and not just shopping. And that really helps us both through some of these tough times when retail is going through transitions. But, you know, when Doors are closing. We definitely have been impacted by some of those national closures and bankruptcies, but we've also opened over 25 new stores this year alone. And so we're going into the holiday season with some strong numbers, and we're anticipating a really solid holiday season. Oh, that's always exciting to hear. Well, thank you, Jen. Jill Renslow, Vice President of Business Development and Marketing at the Mall of America, and I hope you have a very merry season this year. I'm sure it'll be great. Thanks a lot, Jill. You as well. Happy holidays. You're listening to Business Radio's Black Friday special, and our next guest is Sucharita Kodali, who's the Vice President, Principal Analyst serving e-business and channel strategy professionals at Forrester Research. And as far as I'm concerned, the retail guru. Hello, Sutarita. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, Barbara. You are too kind. It's great to be here. (laughs) So you have tons of perspectives, I imagine, on e-commerce, on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, Let's start with what you think are the most important trends that you're observing. Well, um, this year online, at least, should definitely be another strong year. Um, Cyber Monday has been the single biggest um, online shopping day of the year in the United States. Um, we have to recall that in um, in China. How does it compare to that single it, day? It, can't, it, it can't be anywhere tiny. close. can't be anywhere close. That was over $30 billion. Exactly. Nowhere close. Um, yeah, so Cyber Monday will be a few billion dollars, which is uh, is nothing shabby. Um, but it's it's definitely not near the $30 billion that um, that Singles Day was. Uh, but for the U.S. and for e-commerce retailers, it's a huge day. And um, it will, it's been a big day probably for about seven or eight years now. Um, and the good news is, is that even offline, retailers are expecting a pretty strong holiday season. Um, a lot of the, like, the department stores, even last year, had a good holiday season. And there doesn't seem to be really anything that is slowing the momentum down. The economy is doing well. The Unemployment rate is low. Consumer confidence is high. All of this bodes, um, you know, this this really suggests that we'll have a good um, Q4 2018. Well, we were just talking to Mall of America and Best Buy and Kohl's, really big retailers who are gearing up, and they seem to be very bullish on the physical store uh, and really thought that they would not see any diminishing or lessening of the traffic coming into the physical store. Do you think they're right? Um, I think that this year, um, I expect that it should be pretty good. Um, I don't know that we're going to see significant growth, um, but this is one of those years that I think that we won't see a decline. And in the world of retail, not seeing a decline in the physical stores is a good way of winning. Yeah. (laughs) So how much of total sales, give us some sense of total sales that happened for a retailer. How much of it happened in that holiday season shopping, sort of 
between November 1st and January 1st, what's the total percent of sales that happened during that period? Um, it is not uncommon for um, for retailers to see 30% of their sales to happen in those two months. So that's, of course, a disproportionate amount. Um, but it is also important to call out there are some highly seasonal retailers that can see up to 50% of their sales coming during that time frame. Those could be toy retailers or others that um, may have just really, really seasonal um, uh, proclivities, like their Christmas tree stores or yeah, right. Right. You know, holiday <laughs> Yeah. Or the Halloween store, I'm yeah. sure, has, has some seasonal so, sales. You know, oh, yeah. you mentioned toys. Uh, with Toys R Us going out, Amazon sending out a, a catalog for toys. How important is toys, uh, either as a traffic driver or overall sales to this whole season? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think that historically it's always been, um, it's it's more, I think, of a cultural um, thing because we associate Christmas with children and buying gifts for children. And because of that, toys are very, very highly associated with the holiday shopping season. But when you look at the categories, um, toys actually aren't in um, the top three. It's like clothing, really? you have consumer electronics, you'll have, um, well, I guess you'd have things like video games, which maybe some people could consider consider toys. But um, they're tend you know, they're mobile phones. Um, the, there are other types of products that tend to be more popular during the holiday season than toys. Um, the toy industry is is relatively small compared to um, the overall um, you know overall consumer spend. So it's I, so so I think that it's it's more the um, the signal that it sends that you know that we are a destination for the holidays. And what I see is Amazon has just announced, you know, you don't even have to be a Prime member to get free shipping. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm wondering if that's going to cut even more into the retail stores because you're going to get free shipping, you know, for everybody that buys on Amazon. Do you think that's going to have much of an impact? Um, well, and it's interesting that you say that, Dave, because um, Target also offered um, free shipping no threshold for right. its holiday um, transactions as well. Um, so I think that we're having a bit of, um, you know, an arms race of companies, you know, desperate to get the shoppers online dollar. Um, but I think that what you end up with is two fundamentally different segments of customers. You have the online shopper and you have the offline shopper. And um, the consumer who's shopping online really, really is a about convenience and about selection, and that is a shopper that chooses the e-commerce channel because um, they prefer that e-channel, e-commerce channel. I mean, and usually this is a shopper who's been shopping online for some time, and they're going to benefit because they have this no-threshold shopping, so they'll be able to purchase more for, for less. Um, and this is not a consumer that I think would have opted to shop online anyway, or shop, uh, sorry, shop in physical stores, um, whereas the physical store shopper is more somebody who wants the experience and they um, enjoy going to the store and um, seeing, you know, kids lining up for photos with Santa and seeing, um, you you know, the tinsel on the Christmas trees in the shopping mall. And that's just a different type of shopper who's looking for a different experience. Um, And I think that that the online no threshold isn't going to necessarily persuade that person to not shop in the store and, you know, by contrast, um, you know, the the free threshold shipping is just going to, you know, probably cause them to break the online shopper to break up their transactions into smaller and smaller chunks. Well, that's interesting because you sort of described it as two different types of shoppers that are out there. And when we had Marissa uh, Tarleton on from uh, Retail Me Not, 
she was sort of talking about how, you know, not only do we have the omni-channel, we have the omni-consumer that is shopping at, you know, at both simultaneously, actually. Uh, are you not seeing that? Because I hear you describe these as two different populations. Well, um, I mean, certainly when consumers are shopping in physical stores, a lot of them will have their mobile devices with them, and um, some of them may choose to do some comparison price shopping, or they may have coupons on their mobile devices that they've brought with them. Um, And likewise, um, there are consumers who may shop online who um, have absolutely, um, you know, kind of leveraged the physical store to discover some of the products that they ultimately choose to purchase online some point in time. Um, so, so there's no question there's that fluidity. Um, but I think what I'm, I'm describing is more um, ultimately um, there's only one place that you choose to purchase any given transaction, and, um, and there are reasons that are very specific to why a consumer may choose to ultimately purchase transactions in a physical store versus online. So we're seeing a lot of these people that are trying to compete with Amazon go into more and more different categories. So, for example, Walmart, you know, always had grocery, but now they're going into uh, groceries, as you know, historically a low margin category, and they're going into some other higher margins so that when you go to Walmart, you just buy everything there. And certainly Amazon's been the everything store. Earlier, we heard Best Buy was starting to sell way more categories than just um just electronics. So do you think, just have you seen a trend that people are going like to Kohl's for all their shopping or to Amazon for the shopping or Walmart rather than to the malls? Um, because most of those stores I just mentioned are standalone. And, and that's Costco. A, through Costco. And Costco or something mm-hmm. like that where they're competing. They're very much competing head to head in many, many, many different categories. You know, Walmart's bringing in high-end apparel and brand names and stuff like that in a way they never did before. So is that a fundamental change in shopping going into these kind of hypermarkets rather than to the mall? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because probably the three retailers that have gained the most share in the last, um, you know, couple of decades have been Amazon, Walmart, and Costco. And um, they have just gradually um, expanded the tentacles of their reach to more categories and, um, you know, kind of more more types of things that, that they've all sold. Um, and there's no question that it's come at the expense of other stores because retail has been growing slower than and those individual retailers have grown. So they've absolutely cannibalized others. And uh, the biggest culprits of who they've cannibalized are the department stores and big box stores. Um, now, Best Buy has been pretty strong, and they have, um, they've had their ups and downs. Um, they seem to be doing okay at this moment in time. And they've also had some, some um, you know, kind of wind behind them, you know, as some of their competitors have gone out of business. Um, but, you know, some of those other casualties, whether it's an H.H. Gregg or a Circuit City or, um, you know, Toys R Us or, you know, some of the office supply stores or, you know, Radio Shack or some of these other specialty stores, not to mention like Sears, JCPenney, um, these guys have all lost share to the, uh, the these hypermarkets that, um, you know, are basically um, one-stop shops that have broad assortments of just about anything you could possibly want to buy. So what I, oh, so what I was... 
It's part of it's part of what it is that drove Toys R Us out of business. Yeah, too. let me just you know what you're saying. I just want to finish this thought because I was thinking it when she was talking about Mall of America that you are seeing if you want to do efficient shopping, then Walmart or Amazon that's pretty efficient. But if you want to have fun, you might go to Mall of America and go right. see that Elf hologram, or go to augmented reality, or go to the malls where there's more restaurants and theaters and stuff like that. So I think you're seeing. I wonder if you think this that you're seeing like. Some people go to physical stores not just to purchase, but really because they want an entertainment experience as well as to touch and feel. But then if they want efficiency, they either, either like you were saying, there's shoppers who only shop online or maybe there's people who just go to Walmart or Costco and just get it over with right away. Um, do, you see, do you see that kind of segmentation in the, or bifurcation in the, in the market? Yeah, there is no question, especially for the malls. Um, they are definitely becoming more experiential destinations. They, uh, I mean, the truth is, is that something like only 20% of the top, of all the malls in the U.S., they generate um, something like three quarters of mall sales. So, and those are often, um, they're the great malls. There are malls like, um, you know, the Grove in Southern California or Short Hills Mall in New Jersey. Um, they're just great destinations that, um, that attract consumers because they're fun places right. to go. Um, you know, they're, and they're free, right? I mean, you can walk around. I mean, you, you can pay for stuff, but you can walk around. It's not like there is, it's not right. like Disneyland right. where you have to pay $300 to, to just even enter the place. Yeah, the and Mall of America woman told us 70% retail, 30% entertainment, something right. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's absolutely um, the case with the malls. Now, interestingly, I mean, the one sector where I would say the store is arguably um, more efficient is uh, is probably the grocery sector um, because grocery stores are so ubiquitous and there are a lot of consumers that just want things immediately from their grocery store versus waiting even a few hours for same-day delivery of, of grocery orders. But that's the one category that's the exception. But you even see in grocery, you know, more restaurants like Whole Foods, they have more restaurants there, or Italy, that kind of notion, that there's yeah. some uh, experience going on even in the grocery store, which w- you would think would be the most functional purchase of all. Yeah, yeah. And what you raise, Barbara, is a good point about um, the restaurant industry, because that is one sector within retail spend, which has just had runaway growth in the last, say, 30 years. Well, I'm um, sure but- I'm doing it myself. I eat out three meals a day. <laughs> 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 I do four. Okay, so <laughs> but so we're, that that really is a lot of growth. A lot of people are following suit, and they're all eating out. But but that's a, that's one category that we're not seeing the whole holiday season bump. You know, it's not like people eat out that much more during the holidays, right? And so right, right. so and we don't have Black Friday that applies yeah, to, cool. to to the restaurants. You know that that's happening. You know, what I'm real curious about is both of you have been talking about fun and entertainment that's at the malls, and that's part of the reason people go there. Is there as much of that during the, um, Black Friday? Because it sort of is like there's a cluster of people, and, and some people, it, it's, you know, it's a survival. It's not fun. <laughs> Um, well, there have been some demographic studies on the Black Friday deal buster shopper, and it is a different demographic than your average shopper. Um, it tends to be a shopper that is extremely value conscious, often is lower income. Um, they um, are a consumer that fundamentally, I think, values um, money more than time um, and is a consumer that just um, finds sport in waking up at 3 a.m. and, you know, getting bundled up 
up and waiting outside their favorite store for several hours to try to get their hands on um, whatever the deal is at that store that day. Um, and so there's bragging to, there's bragging rights with that too. Hey, guess what? Yeah. I got this. Yeah, this transaction TV for. Yeah. utility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Now, the one thing that's interesting, though, is that a lot of e-commerce, um, the, the, this is what's, um, a lot of the e-com divisions of these retailers have essentially cannibalized their Black Friday store sales because they basically offer a lot of the same offers um, earlier. So for those consumers who just want the deal, um, you can often just shop online, um, sometimes on Thanksgiving Day, um, and get the same yeah. deals so and what's avoid the, what's the, whole the idea line. there, just to be at the competition? Um, the idea, yeah, is I think this goes to some of the, uh, the dysfunctional siloed org structures of a lot of these organizations. And um, it's usually that e-com is incented to grow its own sales oh. because they have access to, you know, the sales. They're going to launch it earlier so they can drive, you know, their comps up. You know, to the day's point about it being sport, I remember the time that, like, people were getting hurt in, I think, was at Walmart or something, when they were trampling each other. You say the time, I think that's every year on Black Friday, right? There's somebody who's getting hurt. Yeah, so there's, like, there's security, there's, like, training to figure out how to deal with uh, people who are just too into the deal. Right, right. I think this year Walmart's having like um, tea parties, though. Um, so they may that may hopefully try to make it a oh, little make more it civil. more civil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, value the cups because they're not going to go uh, very long. So I have I I want to go back to where you started this conversation, where you mentioned Alibaba and what it is they've done. How soon is it before Alibaba enters the fray here, and we start seeing Alibaba doing Black Friday in the United States? Well, they've tried. Um, they had uh, an experience at what I think it was 121 Main um, year a few years ago. They've made a few investments here and there. Um, I think that Alibaba has. Um, it, it seems to me that they have decided they have their hands full with even just. Um, continuing to grow in the Chinese e-commerce market. Um, the most um, of their effort globally for cross-border has been with um, solutions like AliExpress, which are basically bringing Chinese sellers to other markets. Um, that, I think, is actually going to become harder because um, you may have followed this whole um, e-packet um, Donald Trump um, clampdown on... No, um, what is that? Um, so it's basically, uh, there was, so the United Nations has a, I think it's called the Universal Postal Union, um, where there were um, just basically deals that different countries had for cross-border commerce to enable them to ship um, packages to other countries um, to encourage basically the economies of some of these developing countries. China was considered a developing country for a long time and basically had rates that allowed Chinese um, basically shippers to send packages to the United States um, for cheaper than what even U.S. shippers in the United States really? send the packages wow. for, yes. So you, that's why you can often order products on Amazon for really, really cheap, get them directly shipped to you from China, eBay as well. Wow. Um, there's a company called Wish.com that has essentially made its entire business based on the, this type of e-packet shipping um, bonuses. So anyway, this is done. This is over because um, the Trump administration has basically said no mas and um, has, has, has or will be eliminating um, these e-packet um, 
benefits. And it's basically they pulled the United States, I think, out of the universal um, postal union agreements altogether. And I, there will be like another 18 months of probably negotiating to figure out, um, you know, kind of what the Chinese rates are going to be. But um, but anyway, getting back to Alibaba, Alibaba benefited, of course, from AliExpress was able to benefit from this. It probably won't in the future. Um, and I, I think that the question becomes, where are their best markets for um, Alibaba to grow globally? Is it markets like Latin America, which have much less developed retail economies versus the United States, which has a really mature retail economy and um, doesn't really tolerate a lot of subpar product, which is unfortunately a, a lot of what yeah, you yeah. see coming out of the Chinese market. So um, we understand you wrote a new book called Toys Are Bus Lessons from yeah. the Collapse. So what, what's the thesis of that book? Well, it was, um, or it is, uh, basically my um, my summary of what happened um, to the company. Um, I had spent some time there um, many years ago um, as a merchant and as a store operator. Um, so combined um, uh, my memoir account of it and what what I experienced um, on the the ground floor of um, you, you know kind of working in a physical store, working in the merchandising organization and um, how a number of the things that I saw happen actually um, were likely factors that led to the ultimate demise of the company. Oh, that sounds like a very interesting it book. Does. So it's called called Toys Are Bus Lessons from the Collapse of a Retail Icon. And it just recently came out. Yes. Wow, yeah. Congratulations. Well, what a positive note to end the interview <laughs> yeah, with. Right. But I, I think uh, I think we're in for a great Black uh, Black Friday, and it sounds like things are going very, very well. So thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank oh, you. thank you, Barbara and Dave. Appreciate your time today. And if you want to find more about uh, Shucharita, you can do so at Forrester.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at S-M-U-L-P-U, that's P as in Peter, U-R-U. So you're listening to Business Radio Black Friday Special. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm here with Dave Reepstein. And if you recognize our voices, it's because we're not only marketing colleagues and friends here at the Wharton School, (laughs) but we also host our own business radio programs. You can catch me every Wednesday on Marketing Matters from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And And me on Metro Thoughts every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. But we are really happy to join forces today and bring you this, a Black Friday special. So one of the things that I thought was interesting is, you know, we keep hearing about all the growth of e-commerce and um, and how it's stealing things away from bricks and mortar. But everybody that we talk to today, now they've got some invested interest. Yeah, but everybody right. we talk to today says, no, Black Friday's alive and well. And, you know, Kohl's was bullish about it. Uh, Best Buy was very, you know, bullish about it as well. Retail me not offering all these discounts and, and on shoppers that are out there, and their study says it's alive and well. And then we hear from Forrester saying, "Yeah, things are still going strong." But I, what I think is, there's purchases and there's purchases. So if you're going to reorder or you're going to prioritize convenience, more and more of those sales are going to go to online, just because they're so much easier. Or maybe shop online, pick up in the store. What Walmart's doing is really gaining a lot of traction. But what's interesting about holiday tra- holiday purchases and Black Friday and things like that is the first time the excitement. There's nothing like a physical store to get that kind of experience. See, you're you're a shopper and I'm not, and, and, and some. <laughs> 
somehow you enjoyed doing that because you talked about the fun and yeah, the entertainment of going. Fun. And I kept thinking about the mobs that are going to be there at that time. Well, and, I don't go on Black Friday, but I like the holiday. I like the music. I like the smells. I like to sit on Santa's lap, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. It's oh, my God. Fun. Well, <laughs> you, we need to warn Santa <laughs> what, what's coming his way, you know. But uh, that is interesting because I do think there are different people and obviously – and different shopping goals, right? That's right. Uh, that's exactly right. Now, one of the things I thought was really, really interesting is um, hearing about people that are carrying their cell phone while they're shopping. And again, that wasn't something that I do, but uh, it, it is. We're going to look at our phone and try and price compare. And it sounds like that's pretty prevalent. Yeah, you know, and it was interesting because what I talk about is when people go into Amazon stores, they teach you to open up the Amazon app so that they can really merge the Amazon online data with in-store data. If you open up the app in the store, then you can see what people are doing and tracking. And, of course, Amazon has cameras in the stores anyway, so you can see everything that's going on. But what some of the people said is it's not all about apps. They'll go on to websites and price compare. Um, So I don't know if that merges the data as conveniently as if if you go through the app. So when you're talking about going to the app, like going into the Amazon store and looking on the app, you're looking at the Amazon app. Right. And that's what it is you're doing. I think most of what people are doing is I'm comparing other stores, and this is a real easy way for me to compare. Yeah, I guess, yeah. And it becomes more price sensitivity. Possible. And so I'm wondering what's happening to the margins. And I wonder about it because, A, competition you know, the barriers to competition has been, oh, i got to go to another store. Well, you know I'm what ar- stores do to I, 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 get rid of the competition. You have models that are exclusive at one retailer, and you can't no, actually right. price that's... compare. And it does make, like, our whole careers, they've always been talking about the death of brands. Like, I can, every single, like, five years or so, it's another reason why brands are dying. And I'm pretty sure you feel the same way I do. Brands are not going to die. And if you have a really, really strong brand, you go direct. You're not going through these other stores. Your brand's only exclusive exclusively offered where you sell it, you're going to protect yourself against this price competition. Actually, when we were talking to Retail Me Not, you were you started asking about, well, you run these promotions. Are you hurting brand equity? And I think what's going on, look at what's being sold at, at Costco. Some of it is the best brands right. are being sold there at, at Costco. If you look at what it is that people are using Retail Me Not for, it's for the brands. Brands are not dying. Brands are growing. No, yeah. Brands are strong. And you look at, like, the sales are doing really well for luxury. All our DNVB friends, you know, the Warbies and the Bonobos, those are brands. Um, and they're, they're, not on the, they're not on price promotion. Like, I don't know. We haven't talked to it. But do you think Warby has a Black Friday special? I doubt it. You know, I, I think some of those really – do you think luxury? you think there's a Black Friday special at Ralph Lauren? I, I would imagine not. Well, you teach the luxury marketing course. <laughs> so you would probably know about that. Warby's – I can't imagine people say, oh, I need more classes right yeah, now. Or I want to get a special <laughs> deal because they don't want you to think about their product on deal. You know, because really any kind of thing of that high-low pricing or on deal like that can, can erode brand equity if not done. But that's what she said. The Retail Me Not person said, we're careful. We try to buy one, get one free, try to not necessarily think of it as a pure price discount, try to build loyalty with our loyalty programs. But interestingly, automotive. You know, they they have all the holiday shopping and all the special promotions because they're trying to make 
their end-of-year numbers. Yeah, yeah. And so we see all this going on, even for the high-end cars. Well, with, I don't know that much about automotive. You probably know more. That's one category I'm sure you buy more than I do because I hate driving. But I and have I, And heard. I hate you driving. Okay. <laughs> exactly. The whole world's better off if I don't drive. But I have heard that industry is going to be completely disrupted. Um, I mean, first there's driverless cars. Then there's doing what the Tesla is doing, the whole different way of shopping that way. And, and um, Uber. And that, Uber. Yeah, that whole kind of notion sharing economy and someone was telling me they wouldn't be surprised if in like six months all, all car shopping starts online which is really different than going to the dealer and doing all that other kind of wow. stuff yeah but and no there's no question about that we could have a whole show talking just about that of course you and i talking we could talk about anything <laughs> yeah, right. but but it but it is interesting to see there's all the holiday you know, promotions that are even on big high ticket items like cars. Yeah, really? So are yeah. you buying a new car this season? I know I'm not I'm not <laughs> buying a new car. You look the, like the kind of person to have a Tesla. Do you have a Tesla? I don't have a Tesla. <laughs> only because I'm in cold weather, so are you, and the batteries don't last as oh, long. Oh really? I didn't so know that. So that that's a particular problem <laughs> for us. So uh, the the other thought I had is I wonder how much people and and I asked this early on in the Coles interview that we did how many people defer some of their shopping and concentrate it around the holiday season when sales are on? Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, I'm so all about measurement, trying to think right. about how we value what's going on. I wonder how much is giving extra credit to the value that's being brought by the extra volume during Black Friday. And how much is borrowed. And how much of it is borrowed from, from right. the months beforehand. Do you think any... I've never seen that analysis. I've never seen that analysis either. We should do that study. Yeah, right. Because it, the, the, the assumption is it's incremental sales, right? That's right. But it isn't, you're saying. That, that's, that's Especially, the they admitted, a lot of the shopping is done for me, not for others. Um, I think that's right. So I think it's been a good program. I think we had some retailers on. I think we had some discounting going on with Retail Me Not. We had the Forrester overview that we had. Um, I think it's going to be a big holiday season. I think you're going to end up enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm definitely on board. Should we review who came on our show? So we, we had Greg Vell of Coles, uh, chief marketing officer there, and the, uh, Frank Krausen, who happens to be the VP, senior VP at Best Buy, and Marissa Tarleton, who is the chief marketing officer of Retail Me Not. We had Jill <laughs> Renslow who uh, from Mall of America. And then we had uh, Sucharita Kadali, who's the vice president and principal analyst serving e-business and channel strategy professionals at Forrester Research. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting from Kohl's was uh, it was basically talking about Kohl's Cash, which I thought was clever using yeah, that name, that I call, like Cold Cash, yeah. and and how they're sort of merging online with uh, with what's Kohl's going on with this store. Doing a lot of really interesting things. I mean, when they first announced that they were going to accept Amazon's returns, and you said, I, I think you were, you know, saying you had that expression of surprise. There was a lot of industry people said, "What are you doing? You're letting Amazon into your store." But apparently, it has driven traffic to the store, and so. So far, it has increased. The studies I've seen, it, it has increased incremental sales. So people are not just going there to return products, but like you were speculating, once they're in the store, they are buying more. So, so somebody's losing in that deal. And so if that's the case, I expect Amazon to start backing off of that. 
and so would would anticipate some of that Except happening. Except that Amazon needs it for returns. I mean, like he was saying, the Coles guy said, there is a pain point with Amazon, and that's returns. And for most traditional retailers, that's where they lose their money. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who shop online, and Suchirita was talking about this. They're the online shoppers and the other shoppers. And the online shoppers are super comfortable re- making returns all the time, which for me, I, I don't like that idea. But it, unless you have a system with a door person and you can really wrap it all up and return. Returns can be painful. Oh, very, very painful. So if it? you make it easy by going, that, that is why it's possible it's win-win. But I agree. If you're seeing incremental sales, you know, like this is your whole game. It's the whole, this is your whole story, the zero-sum aspect of it, right? If there's incremental sales here, who's hurting? And maybe it will be, won't be long before Amazon pulls back. We don't know. And Best Buy actually has held up really, really well when, as you pointed out earlier, it's like there was the anticipation that Best Buy wasn't going to be able to survive with Amazon right, breathing right. down the back. That whole showrooming tune, that whole everybody talking about showroom was about Best Buy. It was about going into the Best Buys, looking at the electronics, and then whipping out your phone and buying on Amazon. That and, was and, the story. And it turns out that Frank ended up talking about... You know, the free home consultation. It's like bring the salesperson right. into your home. Exactly. What a great move by what them. What a great move. This has been so fun, Dave. It's been a great show. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening. If you want to reach out after the show, feel free to email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at BizRadio132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.com. Dot upenn.edu. Dot